This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI-audio's on-air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the host of today's show, Ramya Amuthan. Well, if you ever thought it would be nice to have just a couple more minutes of Kelly and company in my ears. Oh, they always leave you hanging. Why can't they just be on a little bit longer? Today's your day. Enjoy this two extra minutes of Kelly and Company from 1.58 p.m. to 4 p.m. or so. Thanks for joining us. Of course, I cannot be here on my own, except if it's Friday summer hours. So Danielle McLaughlin is here to co-host with me today and tomorrow as Kelly takes some more days off. He's got a bunch to get through. So between now and the end of the year, there will be a lot of missing Kellys and missing Rumias here and there. Just a little sprinkles of that but danielle thank you for joining me how are you i'm well and thank you for having me with you i have to say whenever either you or kelly uh aren't on air we always miss you but yeah. uh, for me it's a bit of a pleasure because i get an opportunity to spend some time on air with you Ramya. it's one of my favorite things to do it's very fun and you know it's very smart of you to start it off that way by saying you miss us first because or else we'd ask you well who do you enjoy <laughs> spending time with more you could pick a favorite but no so i'm not gonna no, do no. that no no favorites <laughs> yeah exactly i i know how to save my skin that's too <laughs> that's scary <right. laughs> that's right you're a journalist all right yeah. well Danielle, before we get into what's coming up on today's show, I do want to tell people about World Sight Day because it's World Sight Day and we've got, we've talked about and probably are aware of a couple different initiatives going on around uh, World Sight Day leading up to it. There are a lot of testimonials, people sharing their stories and social media engagement all over the place. But today, uh, as it is World Sight Day on October 13th, Canadian Council of the Blind and Fighting Blindness Canada have kind of partnered up. And I gave people a heads up about this yesterday, but they've partnered up and released this joint report card on the um, state of vision health in Canada. This is actually part two of this two-part report card. The first one was released last year. And the main takeaway, they say, from this year's report card, if you're interested in that, is about vision care across the country. And due to significant staff shortages, surgical surgical backlogs, and people either canceling their doctor's appointments or not scheduling their regular eye exams altogether. Some other uh, notable findings here. Surgeries were performed across Canada in 2021. That is unbelievable compared to 2019. There were 1.8 million less optometrist visits in 2021 compared to 2019. And while a larger number of eye surgeries were performed in 2021 compared to 2020, this number has not returned to pre-pandemic levels. So just a lot to take in there, but that scope of it is really that there's there's so much being missed um, and there's so potentially so much being forgotten or just rescheduled or not prioritized. So Danielle, uh, this is concerning, of course, for me as a person with low vision and uh, keeping in touch with the community that way. Um, did you have any reactions yourself hearing these? Yeah, steps? I mean, I, I find that really concerning, especially for people who, who may have conditions where uh, losing your, your sight is preventable. 
you know, if, if it's caught early, um, there are many conditions where there, you know, there is treatment available. Of course, there are many where it isn't. But, you know, even if it's just a matter of updating your records to see if your eyesight is holding as it has been or, or if there are changes that, that you should be alerted to. Um, I was very fortunate to be able to have eye surgery this year myself, mm -hmm. um, but uh, it wasn't easy to, to get access to. And uh, it was a great relief when I was able to get access to it. But, you know, our eyesight, you know, no matter how little we might have of it, is, is still very valuable to us. And I know, you know, living with um, somebody who's, you know, got Stargardt's disease where there really isn't anything that can be done yet, just keeping in touch with, you know, what, tr what drugs are being tried, what kinds of technologies are available. These things can make a huge difference to how yes. you live your life. So yeah, I, I uh, couldn't feel strongly enough about the fact that people need to really, you know, pay attention to their, to their eyesight and make sure that they get the, the treatment or the care that, that they need. Yeah, the keeping in touch part is very significant in this context because if you're hearing that um, healthcare system and in this context too, it's understaffed dramatically so that Terrible. people are not showing up to appointments and then it, it just goes that way, right? Like no one's yeah. getting back in touch with you to say, hey, you didn't show up for your eye exam this year because they're so overwhelmed by everything that has to be done aside from people showing up and um, telling people the importance of keeping in touch. So absolutely. And as you said, uh, as many as 75% of vision loss cases can be stopped with early diagnosis and access to treatment. So there's so much of that in there. And the backlogs and delays of uh, specialized eye care are resulting in sight loss that's often irreversible when it comes when it could have easily been preventable. And that's a quote from the Fighting Blindness Canada. And we know how much work they do to get that research underway, as you mentioned, Danielle, and the technologies and also keeping us posted, uh, us being the general public. So Thank you for your feedback on that as well. Let's get into what's coming up on today's show. Gardener Susan Kearney is introducing us to the ground cherry. This is something that she said she enjoyed planting this year, so she'll tell us all about it. Can't wait to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Community reporter Kim Kilpatrick highlights on an upcoming workshop being run by Braille Literacy Canada on advocating for Braille. On Accessible Gaming, which we hold on the second Thursday of every month now, Debbie Williams is bringing us Uno, and she's telling us how it can be inclusive with a bit of a Braille edge and telling us all about how to play it as well. So we're going to move to the U.S. for the next story. Um, On-duty deaths amongst police officers, U.S. police officers, have shown a dramatic decline in 2022. So far this year, 170 police officers, sheriff's deputies, and other law enforcers at every level have died while doing their job, according to the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund. By this time in 2021, the number was up to 400. And while the incidence of gun deaths among police has risen by 16% this year, fatalities by most other means are 75% lower than last year, reflecting a dramatic decrease in COVID deaths among cops. Jim Ryan, ABC News. 
So there's a bit of everything here, Danielle, and and we were talking, well, not talking, but communicating offline about um, what about Canada and do we know the numbers of Canada? But do you think that there could be um, parallels between what's going on in the U.S. and here? And also, what do we take this as? Like, is this good news? Is this just something that is current but doesn't really reflect on a, a big change of any sort? Well, I think that, you know, year by year, things fluctuate a great deal. So I sure. don't know if we can just take a, a snapshot and, and really understand it as representing a particular trend in, in uh, policing. We do know that in Canada, um, police are three times less likely than American police to to die while they're uh, in, in service. And that's important. And, and also Canadian police are much less likely to um, to kill suspects than mm. uh, American police are. Uh, I think a lot of this simply has to do with availability of guns, um, because we know that in the Agreed. United States, a lot of this, uh, you know, these terrible situations have to do with guns. We don't. We're not always aware that that how much uh, percentage-wise, uh, Canada. Uh, it really has has less of a problem because you know when when a police officer dies in the line of duty, we hear about that a great deal, as we should. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, a, a almost always a, it's a tragic situation, um, and you know our population is smaller than that of the United States, but percentage wise, we're still doing better. Um, I don't know whether we're looking at trends. I don't know whether you know, one year is better or worse than another, whether mm -hmm. COVID-19 and people being inside had, had a, you know, uh, contributed to that. But uh, it's important to know about. Yeah, and I appreciate you saying that we can't necessarily take a snapshot of this and say, oh, that's what it is. Because um, I think we tend to lean towards that, especially post-pandemic. You know, we hear stats and there's always the comparison of 2019, of 2020, of 2021. And we say, okay, so the pandemic must have played a role. But really, you know, if we're if we're looking at it, scrutinizing it more carefully, is that the case or not? Um, and appreciate you talking about Canada in comparison. Danielle's sticking around for the next two hours, so lots of great conversations to come. After the break, we're chatting about these new voiceover voices, text-to-speech voices that are available on iOS 16 with Michael Fair. This is Kelly and Company. If you'd like to get a hold of us and contribute some commentary on the show, feel free to call us at 1-866-509-4545. And if you leave us a voicemail that you want us to play on air, do give us permission to do it. Also, feedback at ami.ca is our email address. And on social media, you can easily find us on Twitter, for example, at AMIAudio. That's the handle. I'm Ramia Amadin here with Danielle McLaughlin, and on Thursdays we get into some technology chat. So let's bring on Michael Fair. Hi, I'm Mike Fair. iPhones, iPods, and iPads are everywhere, and they're doing great things for the blind. We explore all that, plus audio entertainment, dramas, podcasts, internet radio, and games. We share it all on Kelly and Company. 
voiceover is the conversation today, specifically these voices, because if you're using voiceover or other text-to-speech output um, all the time, or significantly enough at least, finding a voice that you're happy with is very important. So a lot of old and new voices have suddenly become available on iOS 16. So it's this big topic of discussion now amongst the community. And Michael, you're going to discuss these new voices and tell us how we can use them. Um, starting with what do we gain by taking time and actually exploring these voices and finding something that we like? We, we actually, it, it makes a big difference. First of all, you, you can find voices that you're just naturally able to understand better. Uh, so better grasp of what is being said, uh, presumably at a faster rate uh, than other voices. So you're going to gain efficiency of understanding. Uh, also, it's, there's a psychological thing to this. If you find a voice that you really like, you sort of can't help but think, like sort of anthropomorphize your iPhone or your computer and kind of think of that voice as kind of almost sentient, like it's it's almost a companion and a, you know, a buddy for you. So if you find a voice that you're happy with, you're going to want to do more uh, with, it, with what you have. So that's, I think, uh, an important uh, thing. And the other thing is different situations. There are certain voices that are just easier, you know, depending on your hearing, uh, you know, I have hearing loss, so I can certainly relate to this, that are just better in certain situations. If you're in a noisier environment, you might have a favorite voice for that. If you're reading a book, you might have a favorite book reading voice versus if you want to get things done really quick and you need the speed, you know, there might be a voice that's really great for you uh, to, to, for that kind of task. That's fascinating. Do we have to pay anything for voices we can choose from? Well, not at the moment. Uh, basically, uh, Apple offers a big library of voices that they've just expanded tremendously with iOS 16, uh, and uh, including some old favorites like Eloquence Voices that have pleased blind people to no end. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we don't have to pay for any of those the voices that are offered now. However, going forward... Uh, they've opened the door up. Apparently, there's an API, which is a development tool that third-party uh, developers can use to to create new voices, which they apparently will be able to charge for. So you might see, uh, you know, voices that are even better uh, than what we have now, but you might have to pay a fee to use them or subscribe to them as a service. I don't know how flexible their options are going to be. Uh, but I predict it'll be something similar to what is offered to app developers. I guess we'll see uh, down the road a bit when someone takes advantage of this new opening. I'm really excited to hear your take on the eloquence voices. But where do we go to choose voices to try out? So, okay, so if you want to do, uh, if you just if you don't need voiceover and you just want voices to give you speech feedback, uh, you know, when when you're to help you read, uh, if you have dyslexia or some other thing. Uh, you can do that, and they'll give you feedback typing as well. Go to Spoken Content. It's in Accessibility under the Visual Heading in Accessibility Settings, uh, under the Vision Heading. So everything you need is going to be there. Uh, that's for people who don't need voiceover. If you do need voiceover, a whole screen reader, then you go to uh, Settings, Accessibility, Voiceover, and into Speech. So that's the area of interest today is, is the Speech section of Voiceover Settings. 
This is, I, I, I'm just wondering, like, how can you select for um, accents or, you know, I mean, it, many people speak English with uh, all sorts of local accents. Is it possible to find an accent that matches your own? Uh, is, how, how are these voices arranged? Well, the, the Apple kind of does this because it's when you go into iOS, they, there are slots for active languages. So you can have, you can add languages to what's called the language rotor. And you have every language, every dialect of a language that is available, you can have its own slot on the rotor for one voice uh, can occupy that slot. And you can turn the rotor to language and then switch between those voices at will. And nothing stops you from having other voices as well. It's just they all occupy a bit of space. So you're going to have to think about that. But otherwise, you can go into speech settings and change between those voices. So uh, you can have, for example, there are Irish language uh, voices, Australian, UK English. There's a Scottish voice. Uh, there's uh, eloquence voices in, in a lot of the languages because it's it's a synthetic speech uh, synth system. Uh, and uh, so there's, uh, there, even in English, there's a large variety, Indian, South African, Irish, a uh, lot of different voices. Mm-hmm. So, so and basically, re- oh, sorry, go ahead. go ahead, Mike. So you you choose. There's a, a, a slot up front uh, for the default voice, and that you, you pick in the voice section. Uh, it, it, you go into speech, and then you flick right, and you come to uh, uh, voice, and you double tap on that, and uh, you can pick from a, a wide variety of voices as your default voice, and that's one of the slots that's always available, and. Uh, yeah, that you have a wide range of dialects there, so you can actually use that to try out all kinds of different voices, and then pick the one you want as your default voice, and then go for on to sort over. of yeah, and then go on to do okay. the same thing for other voices and other language slots. And and that's is that the similar the similar way that we add uh, voices to the rotor? Yeah, exactly. That's mm-hmm. that's exactly what it is. You go in and you. You choose a voice that you want to try. Uh, so you go to, say, Australian English, you double tap. You might flick right to get to uh, Matilda, for example, a good Australian voice that just got added. You double tap on her. And then you, you're in the voices area. So now you're in that the area particular to that voice. And there's usually alternatives. So there might be an enhanced or a premium or a compact. And they'll occupy different sizes. So you can flick to the different uh, voices, and if you want to hear what they sound like, flick downward, and you'll hear it say "speak sample," and double tap on that, and you'll hear that voice in that variant of the voice speak. So you can judge the difference and whether you want to spend your space on a higher quality version of that voice. So when you want to add a voice, uh, you flick onto its name, you double tap, uh, and then you flick right, and you, you will see the different variants of that voice. You're in the voices area for that particular voice. You pick the one you want and you double tap on that. And if it hasn't downloaded yet, it will do so. It'll say how much space it's going to take up. Uh, after the voice is downloaded, it will then switch. Uh, when you flick right onto its name, it'll say using this amount of memory, megabytes. Uh, and then you double tap on that. And then the voice will be active. It'll say selected and it will be active in that slot. So that is your active voice in, say, the default slot or the, you know, the other slot you might have chosen. Uh, so 
the default font you can choose between all the dialects of your language uh, that is in your region. Uh, otherwise, you can uh, choose between every other slot is specific to that language, and you'll be presented with with options in, in available for that particular dialect. So it's pretty it customizable. Yeah, yeah. And, but it sounds like there's such a big choice too. So once you've added the dialects, uh, how do you then go on to to pick the exact voice that 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 you want to work with? Well, we basically covered <clears throat> how to add the voice. Uh, it's 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 exactly like adding a default voice. So it's exactly what I just outlined. Uh, mm -hmm. To add the dialects to the rotor, you flick to the last uh, right at the end of the speech settings. You'll find an add language button. You double tap that, and you can choose a new language, and it'll get mm -hmm. added to the rotor. And then you can uh, that slot will be available for another voice choice that you can make. Uh, so that's that's kind of how that works, right? And and I'm so curious, like if people have feedback on how the other languages are um, doing, like if they're being done well. I'm curious about that. Okay, going yeah. back to something that the blind low vision community was very excited about, which is the eloquent voices, eloquence voices uh, availability. Why is that? Why are people so excited about it? Eloquence is a different kind of case. It's a synthetic voice. So it's not as clear and human sounding, natural sounding as other voices, but it has a real legendary role in a lot of blind people's lives because Jaws for Windows used this voice for years, for decades, yep. literally. So some people have gone through school and had, you know, careers using these voices now. They're they're, I think, around 30, 20, 30 years old in that range. So these go back a long way now. And uh, I used them in 95 when I was in university, just getting into Windows, 96, 97 in that range. So uh, they go back that far. And uh, they're synthetic. So some people find it's easier to separate those voices from music or other audio in the background. And Alex so that is can too be, human. Yes. And he <laughs> breathes, which creeps some people out. Uh, so you know, so are, does, are the other ones that aren't synthetic uh, sampled from a human voice? I, I'm not mm -hmm. clear yeah. how, how you make that it's, distinction. It, yeah. The, the other voices that are not purely synthetic are basically bits of human speech, phonemes and other tiny bits of, of speech that are basically strung together on the fly by the program that that is the the voice so it's taking bits of, of you know Carradine Jacobson did one uh Australian singer and she recorded all these different parts of speech and they were just strung back together to form whatever word need to be needs to be spoken in that instant so that's kind of how these work so cool. and uh, yeah so that's why you get all these the very different voices that uh, that can sound as human as as they do oh wow so could you get your favorite actor or, or actress uh, sampled if you, you know, it, it, I guess that that isn't going to be on, on this yet. <laughs> you, well, I mean, with this new third party API, maybe, but you need enough sampling of that yeah. voice. And it has to be really clear and isolated from other stuff because mm -hmm. this is what's going to build the, you know, the voice. Right. So typically they have someone record all these things in a studio uh, and, and just take that, those tiny bits of, of, speech and and basically build them as needed <laughs> yeah it is quite fascinating because it's done so well like alex is one of my favorite voices do you have any favorites mike in the new ones or I, just overall 
Yeah, you know, a couple of the new ones really impressed me. Evan on the U.S. side is a really nice new alternative to Alex. It's not quite as as uh, realistic, but it's it's just a nice, especially if you don't like the breathing Alex does. Uh, Jimmy <laughs> or Jamie in the British voices. Jamie is a nice new British voice that I quite like. Uh, there are a couple of new Indian voices as well. Uh, I think it when Aisha or Isha was one. I, I probably am butchering that name. Um, and Rishi is another one. Uh, and there are a number of others. Fiona is a new Scottish voice that's quite nice. Uh, Matilda on the Australian side. Uh, so there's there's quite a bit to choose from. And then you got all your Siri voices, which you can also use as voiceover voices. Right. So there's, there's all of a sudden lots more variety. I know. You won't be able to recognize another blind person just because they're using voiceover Alex, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Awesome, Mike. Well, this was fantastic. Um, I don't know how much storage we're all willing to put into trying all these voices, but it's definitely something to explore. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. The more you put in, the better the voice will sound. So premium is always going to sound better quality than uh, the the compact ones. But if if you're really stuck for space, uh, it's an option if you want to sacrifice quality. Yeah, it's between this and Netflix for me. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right, my pleasure. You can choose from the growing collection of voices after you've updated your iPhones to iOS 16 and iPad owners uh, look ahead to some new updates on that as well. After the break, stick around because we're getting gardening with Susan Kearney and she's introducing us to the ground cherry. We'll be right back. I'm seriously taking notes these days on what new things I should be putting onto my grocery list. And this is, of course, inspired by Mary Mamaliti of Kitchen Confession, who joined us a couple weeks ago and literally came with a grocery list for us to uh, try new fruits, new vegetables, new desserts out there, snack options, salads that are on hitting shelves and trending. It was just an absolute... I just took all that put into my grocery list and I've been slowly working my way through that. And Danielle, see, you're going to continue introducing us to things too as we get into an upcoming conversation. So I'll hand it over to you. Well, thank you, because I have to say that whenever we get to listen to our friend Susan Kearney, I put on my list things to grow in my garden. (laughs) So I'm always excited to speak with Susan. Uh, She will join us now to talk all things gardening. Hello. I'm Susan Kearney. Join me on Kelly and Company to learn about the joy of gardening by using touch, taste, scent, and sound. Hello, Susan. How are you? Hello. I'm good, thank you. Good. I'm really excited to, to to have our conversation today because, you know, up until recently, I I thought that growing ground cherries was something that couldn't be done in Canada, but since you uh-huh, grown them... Wow. I'm very yep. impressed. <laughs> so tell, a lot of people don't know what they are. Can, can you yeah. talk about what yes. they are, you know, how they feel mm-hmm. and taste? Yeah, absolutely. And and I like to put something in my garden every year that I've never grown before. Um, I, I, I put one thing as a challenge. And okay. this was my challenge this year. 
uh, a ground cherry, and um, I bought one plant. I figured one plant, that was it. Yeah, and, I know that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I, I bought this one plant, and then I, I really had to find out what to do to baby it because it is, um, it is a tropical. It's a tropical fruit. Uh, it, it is a member of the uh, tomato and the pepper family, believe it or not, oh. um, both. And um, the reason why they're called ground cherries, and this was kind of cool, is that when they, when they ripen, they fall off. You don't have to go out and, and, and pick them. Um, they, as soon as they ripen, they will fall off. They're about the size of, um, somewhere about the size of a, of a large blueberry, and they're very smooth skin underneath, but, and you wonder why oh, you'd want to pick something up off the ground. They have a paper covering on them that protects them when they're, they're on the ground. Uh, so you just pick those up and um, peel off the, the paper, and I just rinse them a little bit, and then you eat them. They're very sweet, uh, and but they've got a a bit of a peppery taste to them. Not not yeah. hot, but a bit of a peppery taste to them. And they're they're really this the uh, fruit inside is is actually um, filled with a lot of seeds. I I believe that there's a hundred to two hundred seeds in every little piece of fruit, mm-hmm. which we'll get into in a, in a moment for because <laughs> then uh, for germination. Mm-hmm. But I, um, this is a hot weather plant. I put it in a um, a large container, which is mm-hmm. is actually rather. Um, it, it holds the heat. This particular container holds the heat. Um, I've seen a couple like this at um, the botanical gardens, and uh, I thought, aha, that's what I'm going to grow this in, because it it, it does. Um, contract the heat into it and um, I wanted it in a container I do mostly container gardening also it was easier for me to pick up the cherries um, underneath the plant uh, when they had fallen off uh, rather than being in an open garden and I also could move this container to where it was very hot I put it um, on my deck and against a wall that is um, like a little um, cabana and the wall is white so it it actually reflected a lot of the sunlight and I just kept turning that container so it would all sides if it got a little cool at night um, I would actually cover that up I would put a metal frame over top of it like we put on tomatoes and um, Mm -hmm. then I would put um, a a sheet over top of it to protect it because it's, it really is. And it went very quickly actually once our weather got cold. Uh, It did go very quickly. Now there's no plant left, but it's reseeded itself. We'll we'll talk about that in a minute. So nice. Um, So I I have to ask how, how much fruit did you get from your single plant? Oh, a lot. Um, I, I was picking them up off the, uh, off the soil about, oh, I, I don't know, every second day, uh, mm. I would get about mm. 10 or 15. I, oh. I was actually surprised. Uh, I, I think this amazing. was just a bit of good luck. <laughs> I'm not sure. So we'll I see wonder, what happens though, next year. 
Yeah, I wonder if it's good luck or if that's just how generous they are because it's, it reminds me of raspberries, right? My mom's always saying, come and get your raspberries because it's just so plentiful. Yeah, they keep they, yeah, they keep on. And this is what this did too. Actually, up until about a couple weeks ago, uh, I was um, picking up some. And near the end, they were very small. Um, they weren't getting, as, of course, as much sunlight, as much heat during the day. And um, covering them at night probably just didn't didn't help they you know and really it's uh it was it was a plant that i i grew just to see whether i could do it um sure. yeah a lot of people said oh yeah you'll you'll never save that oh sure <laughs> so, <laughs> it was good luck this year i think I, I'm I, so impressed. I always think of them as coming from, you know, a tropical country, and then you, you yeah, buy a absolutely. little box of them and you cherish them, mm-hmm. and it's great. Yeah, so, ab- absolutely. And and it is it is interesting that um, when I got this little tiny wee plant and uh, planted it in the garden, I I. I, I I really, I really did baby it uh, because I thought, well, should I have it indoors? Maybe I didn't plant it until the around the end of June. I did have it indoors, and I wondered whether or not I should keep it indoors. You can, um, you mm-hmm. can grow them indoors, and if you do grow them indoors, you treat them like a tomato plant, exactly okay. like a tomato plant. So it, that that was interesting. I didn't. I didn't save enough of my fruit um, to actually germinate uh, the, the, the plants indoors. Uh, I've kept everything that has fallen and that I didn't want to eat. It was They were pretty small um, into the soil, and they actually opened up, which is really interesting. I just covered them up with soil. Yes, of course, last night they got a nice good rain, and... Um, uh, when uh, somebody comes over that can move that big planter for me, then um, I will be taking that in indoors, in where it's a little bit warmer, uh, so that that soil stays warm. And hopefully next spring I'll get more um, of the uh, ground cherry plants. Oh, that's fabulous! Now they, these mm-hmm. are in the same family as tomatillos, aren't they? Yes, yes, absolutely. They are. They are a member of the tom- tomatillo family and which is i i i gather um you know, tomato pepper um not really sure but but so the it, nightshades it an, then i guess it's a nightshade it is a nightshade yeah. yes absolutely a nightshade uh-huh. family which was lovely because it kept squirrels away it did oh that was that was my next question because <laughs> you know <laughs> those squirrels they will eat i mean they'd eat rocks if they thought you didn't want them to <laughs> Well, especially if you did want them, then they, yeah, they yeah, would eat them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they didn't. I was surprised that um, that if the um, fruit would drop onto the soil, and I, you know, maybe didn't go out um, right away to get it. Nobody was eating it. Not the dogs. Um, they didn't even. And and it was at um, their their head level. They could have put their faces in there and and taken some of the fruit. No one touched it. No, no maybe it's it something magic about that sort of papery husk that's around right. it. That, that, yeah, that oh, protects wow. it. Yes, yeah. That 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 might be that might be too. Yes, that so, the, the paper. Are, are you going to try to do this again next year? Absolutely. I'm going to baby that big planter and see whether or not um, they they grow out of there. I didn't keep any of the fruit. Uh, I'm and if if not, and, and it takes about. Um, eight to ten weeks 
to find any shoots or germination. Um, they're very slow growing. Uh, that was another thing I kept on thinking. Oh, why isn't it growing? why isn't it getting bigger? And it, it, it did eventually, but they are very slow growing. Once it started to grow, though, and give fruit, it gave a lot. So that was that was good. It was good. Wow, I, I I can't tell you how impressed I am about this because I have a hard enough time just just growing cherry tomatoes, but uh, mm. to try to try something tropical like that, that's yeah. and you obviously I, I like. you're you're very good at knowing exactly what the micro environment that it needs, so you you know yeah. that, that that putting it against that white wall kept it warm. Yeah. That's that's brilliant. Really good idea. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. have have you do you use them in cooking or just eat them straight up? No, I was just eating them raw. Um, yeah. That's that's the the way I did it. And it's interesting because um, I I would get uh, I'd get my grandchildren. They were over. Go go see if there's any any more ground cherries. They would bring them in. I and and I would offer them. What I was very interesting that they each tried one and then did not want any more. Really? Uh, they, they are an acquired taste because they do have that peppery, um, Swedish. It yeah. has a tang, yeah. 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 It's it's not like eating a, a raspberry a sweet raspberry or an or um or even blueberries. It it, it is an acquired taste, but I, I really like them. And I think I think they, I think the fruit is sort of an orangey, orangey red color. Um, is, yeah. when, when they're totally ripe. And it, it was fun. It was a fun experiment. I always like to put something in the garden. I know um, uh, I, I saw in, in a, a garden the past summer um, flowers, but in the center was um, half, half of a coconut, and it actually started to grow, a sprout. Um, so oh. you get a coconut, small coconut palm. It looked really cool. I may try that next year. Wow. <laughs> I was going to say, how do you usually pick, like, when did you pick that this was going to be your challenge for this year, the ground cherry? Um, I actually started um, asking um, people who, who went to um, to the garden centers if they could find any, like a ground cherry. I, I don't know why. I wanted to grow one, but I, I just, I, I just sort of chose that, and uh, and if I didn't find it, then I would have chosen something else. But yeah, I, and um, actually, it was uh, one of my children who actually found it at a at a market, um, oh. and they were they had little pots of them, so they got one. But they put them theirs in the garden, um, and I, I I never did ask how how theirs did. I, I had some of my <laughs> so, oh. yeah. when when you buy them at a fruit store um you know a little wee uh box of them or or or, or basket of them i find that they, first of all they don't often sell them with the husks on so they, they they've been oh. denuded of their husks and i find them very sticky D did you find that they turned quite sticky after the the husks yes. were off yeah. Yes. Actually, I would usually peel them right away um, and eat them right away. Uh, I, I, I never left them open to to the air. I've never actually I've, I've never actually bought any in a grocery store, I, I, ever. I, I I didn't even know that they sold oh. them in in. Oh. Uh, like so in your the, first experience uh, was eating your own, the ones you grew. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. Yes. Well, That's if, word, if you're yeah. looking for them, they often sell them on under the name of Physalis, P-H-Y-S-A-L-I-S. Um, that, that's, oh. that's their their generic name. But thank you so much, Susan. This was yeah. 
lovely speaking with you as it always yeah. is. And now I'm inspired to see if I can find a plant next year and, and try it on in my garden. Absolutely. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Tune in for our gardening chats with Susan Kearney every second Thursday on Kelly and Company. There we go. Now we have the same item added to our grocery list and our gardening list. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> After the break here on Kelly and Company, we're checking in with community reporter Kim Kilpatrick as we missed her visit on Monday. So we'll be back with that. Check out AMI Original Podcasts by using your favorite podcasting platform. Just look for the show when you get to your favorite podcast platform. And we would appreciate a like, a share, a subscribe. Also, some of our podcasts have been released as video podcasts on YouTube. So check them out also. Uh, we talked about Tripping on Air a couple of weeks ago. That's available, an AMI original and video podcast. Also, The Neutral Zone, releasing on Tuesdays, is available on YouTube also. So tons of things to check out on demand um, via audio or video. I'm Ramia Amudin here with Daniel McLaughlin, and you're listening to Kelly and Company. It's time to check in with one of our community reporters, Kim Kilpatrick, who will join us now with news from Ottawa, Ontario. Hello, Kim. Hello, ladies. How are you? Doing We're good. good. Nice to hear your voice. Yeah. And you've got lots nice of interesting stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's Ladies Day again. Mm -hmm. Always. <laughs> yes, that's good. <laughs> it is very good. <laughs> Always. <laughs> I, I'd love to yeah. hear about the upcoming workshop through uh, Braille Literacy Canada about advocating for Braille. Can you tell us something about what's happening there? Yeah, so this came up, the last two AGMs that, that Braille Literacy Canada BLC had, people asked that question is, how do we advocate for Braille? So how do people advocate for um, Braille um, documents, so bank statements or credit card statements, and if they get it in kind of Braille that isn't good for them or, you know, not the right Braille or not the right contracted or uncontracted or if there's lots of mistakes in it what do they do you know what do they do because the company would say well i don't know you know just printed this so how do you advocate for that how do you advocate for braille signage or you know other things to do with braille and since people asked several times you know like people kept saying i just don't know you know where do i go how do i do it um so we pulled together a panel of people to talk about this and it's on saturday october the 22nd um, and it is at 1 p.m. Eastern, and uh, it's for an hour and a half, so 1 p.m. Eastern, so whatever time's on you, and 10 a.m. Pacific. And there's going to be a panel of people to talk about this. So someone that's blind and uses Braille but also works for one of the Braille producers in Canada to talk about that side of it, and then other people to talk about you know their experiences and what they think are good ways to advocate for Braille. And so I think it's it's really 
good because people do keep asking about it and talk, wondering how can they get these things and what is available in Braille and how do you get it. Uh, so you can register or find out more by going to BrailleLiteracyCanada.ca and so you're going to have to register for that workshop. Um, if you want to find out more, you can also email info at blc lbc.ca to find out more about it but I'm really excited about it um, you know I think it's it's a great it's going to be a great workshop and I get to sort of host the panel so I'm excited about that Excellent. but I think Kim, really is this is this in person or is this online no sorry it's over zoom yeah, over zoom, over zoom. Okay. yeah no no we're not doing in person yet and and especially you know when you think about some of the like specialized groups like BLC, you know, people come from across Canada. So you get more people actually since it's oh, gone absolutely. over to Zoom than, mm-hmm. you know, any yeah. in-person thing. So, yeah, so it, it's over Zoom. So anyone uh, anyone can find out more about that. I, I think it'll be really good, I hope. That's great. Yeah. Well, the advocacy piece is so important. Um, we continue having conversations about Braille on different levels and different angles so it's uh, great that you're facilitating too a huge advocate of braille can you give us some updates kim on the ottawa public library yeah so we did recently had a presentation from someone at the ottawa public library and i think we forget all of the things that public libraries can give us we think about the books that are available but there were many things i didn't know and i, I just sort of want to highlight a, a few things. One is that the homebound service, so homebound services, you can get them if you use even their accessible books, like their talking books or other things. And you can get them for a short period. So if you fell and broke your ankle or something and you couldn't get out to your library, you have to use it for at least three months. But, you know, you could say, I, I need this now. I need homebound you know, services for me. And even if you, if you read print books or talking books or whatever you're using materials from there, you can register for that. And also some people with disabilities register for that in the winter when it's harder for them to get out. And then in the summer, they cancel it and go back to the library. So I didn't actually know. I knew about homebound, but I didn't know that you could do that. You could be flexible a little bit about that. And I didn't know that they have musical instruments to uh, borrow from the Ottawa Public Library. I had no idea. So you can borrow them like you could a book, and they have different ones. They said they had some stringed instruments, guitars, and the ukulele and banjo and um, a couple of keyboards and some drums and stuff like that. So you can actually borrow them like you can books, which I had no idea about that. And also a lot of other things, too, a lot of music, you know, movies, things like that you can borrow. And so... I guess our libraries, it just really struck me that our libraries have expanded so much and they have way more, they have a lot of things that we didn't know, uh, I didn't know what that they had. Um, and in Ottawa, each library is supposed to have one workstation that has uh, accessible um, software on it. So I think they're using Narrator, uh, the built-in screen reader from Microsoft and the, and the Zoom services like loaded onto one of their workstations that you could go and you could say, you know, can I use this uh, computer? And they do have printing services available and things like that. So there were things I just had no idea, you know, and and 
I thought, oh, I think I think we should tell people about this because I really had no idea how broad library services have gotten mm-hmm. to, and and maybe you two know about that, but I just I'd forgotten. You know, I I'd forgotten. I didn't know about the instruments, and I didn't know about the flexibility of homebound services. But um, and you can through Ottawa Public Library, you can get uh, a special card like an accessibility card that allows you to borrow books for a longer period. So instead of three weeks, I think it's double, six weeks. Um, and they can also help you get registered with CELA, you know, and get connected with, with that as well. But it was just amazing to me, you know, what, what's around, what's available in the library. So I thought I it would be I think the library is to, uh, just one of the best it. places in the whole world. You, uh, mm-hmm. Some libraries even have tools you can borrow, like, you know, hammers and saws and wrenches and some oh. electric uh, tools, like, you know, table saws and things like that. And uh, wow. the instruments are great. I mean, can you imagine, you know, if, if uh, somebody has... Um, borrowed a, a drum set and and their family secretly takes it back to the library because they can't take it anymore. <laughs> but but you know, like I've I've thought of taking music lessons on an instrument that I didn't have before, right? I think, yeah. oh, I'd love to study, you know, whatever. And I don't want to buy it because I want to try it, right? So maybe I I borrow it for the six weeks or whatever, and I go to have a couple lessons to see. Oh yeah, I yeah. do really like this. I do really like it, um, and then and then you could then uh, you could then buy your own or rent your own or something else. So I thought that was really a pretty ingenious way. But you're right; maybe family members <laughs> would take something back. Yeah. <laughs> I know when I first started playing clarinet, my family members said that was not oh all the squeaks, and they they, they were quite keen. They would yeah, have taken yeah. it back if they'd had the opportunity. <laughs> they, you know, that's, yeah, it, it protects everybody. <laughs> Um, Kim, can you tell us about the Carleton Dominion Chalmers Centre? Yeah, so this used to be a church. It still is a church, and it used to just be called Dominion Chalmers uh, Church. And they did host a lot of concerts from some of the summer festivals in that church. And it is really nice acoustics. It's a nice church right downtown. It's only a few blocks from me. And I know they were still hosting it, but it was, uh, they were hosting a lot of concerts there, but I also knew that Carleton University actually bought the building, and so they were starting to use it as well for other things. And I went on there out of curiosity because I was looking up a concert I wanted to go to, and I found they have millions of events at the church. So they have um, concerts by several sort of chamber music groups and little small sort of groups, music groups. But I found they also have a lot of lectures and things from Carleton. They have like sort of continuing ed type lectures. They had all kinds of different types of music. They and on the website, uh, which I have given you, they uh, they're called Carleton Dominion Chalmers Center now, and the website is carleton.ca/cdcc and then events is where you find them. And, but there were events almost every day, and it was amazing to me that they, they have made such a good use of this space. It has really great acoustics. It's very accessible. Um, I mean, it, you know, it's an old church, so there are stairs and stuff, but, but there are alternative uh, accessible ways to get into there. And, of course, in the summer when it's really hot and there's all the outdoor festivals, it is air-conditioned, so people go, oh, I wonder what's on there, and they'll, they'll go over there. You know, <laughs> That's to, very important. To, to Absolutely. Yeah. 
Okay, yeah. and you've given us the amazing. information on how to yeah, uh, find yeah. out about individual events uh, and specific event information on their website. Absolutely. And they had That's some great. candlelight kind of concerts. They had all kinds oh. of things over there. So, Well, thank you so much, Kim. It's lovely talking with you again. Thank you, ladies. Have a great Take- month. You too. too. Kim Kilpatrick is our community reporter in Ottawa, Ontario. And remember to check out our blog at ami.ca slash kellyco for all the information from today's community report. I think at one point I was just going to libraries for everything but books, you know, listening to music. (laughs) They had story time and arts and craft corners and all of these different things. But the books weren't accessible to me. So uh, aside from the books, there were so many other reasons to go to the library. And sometimes it's just to get away from your loud family. It's so quiet. Oh, yes. (laughs) I love the library. (laughs) Oh, man. Awesome. Well, we have a whole nother hour of Kelly and Company, which includes accessible gaming. We're talking Uno with Debbie Williams. Also, a roundtable conversation to come because it's a Thursday. Huli McLaughlin, former chief science officer with the Ontario Science Centre, is joining us. And it's the Thursday Buzz with Bill Shackleton. That's after the break here on Kelly and Company. two of Kelly and company. Thanks for sticking around. We have lots and lots of great things to put on your radar. I can't wait to talk Uno. I feel like we're going to educate a lot of people on Uno in our accessible gaming segment with Debbie Williams because Danielle, you admitted to having Uno in your house but having never played it. It's true. And, I, I, it was bought by somebody else and it sat on a shelf and I really nice how to yes. know how to play it. Yes. I do remember your uh, reviews on Lego. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That sums it up pretty much. Yeah. And, and uh, talking to Dave Brown this morning on AMI's morning show, uh, he also said, you know, he's, what was his quote exactly? I'm over 40 and I've never played Uno, so it doesn't look like I'll play it anytime now, soon. Anytime yeah. soon. <laughs> and I was like, wow, but you guys are missing out. It's like a more complex and fun version of Crazy Eights, which is what. Jeff said Which I've also. also never played. Oh, okay. I'm well. sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'm sure you have lots to contribute soon. In well. Gaming. Yeah. And lots more on the round table when Huli joins us. I'm looking oh, forward to that fun. too. I'm looking yeah. forward to it too. <laughs> mm-hmm. But before we get to all of that, of course, we got to squeeze in Bill Shackleton here because it's Thursday. It's the buzz with Bill and Billy has some articles here that he really wants us to get into. One of them, a leftover piece from yesterday. So Billy, hello, first of all. Yes, and I'm not a gamer at all. Um, oh. So, I, I like Danielle, I've never played. No way. Do you play any cards? Uh, I used to. Okay. Cribbage. I remember having cribbage. cribbage. I knew it. Yes. We had great cribbage conversations before. Oh, yeah. Cribbage. Yeah. And I, I they tried to teach me euchre, and I, I just was 
it's too complicated. <laughs> That's how I feel too. I think if this is supposed to be relaxing, why am I doing this? It's making me so anxious. I, I can never yeah, remember what I'm supposed to do. It's just, uh, yeah, it's not for me. Yeah. I don't know. No. Yeah. Solitaire. I play a fine game of solitaire. solitaire. That's, yeah. about it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's so Billy, what do you have for us today? Well, the one that was a carryover was Ontario again faces pressure to approve generic drugs coming oh, from the boy. Globe and Mail. Um, there's a whole myriad of issues when it comes to this, but advocates are urging the Ontario government once again, and I realize this is an, an Ontario-centric article, but it's pretty interesting, to approve generic drugs. And this is the third time they've tried to do this. The first time was um, the pandemic, uh, the second time was the election, and now advocates are thinking that the th that the third time might be lucky. Um, so generic drugs are, you know, basically cheaper versions of a, a lot of the more expensive drugs that that you can get. Um, I guess what what one of the things when it comes to these drugs, there's a whole, there's a whole myriad of issues, but the as you know. With drugs, everybody gets it, everybody gets a kickback. The pharmacists get a kickback, mm -hmm. the providers get a kickback, and it's like if you're going to do the generic drugs, the drugstores aren't going to make as much money. The doctors aren't going to make as much money. Um, it it could be beneficial for you, the consumer, because you're going to be paying a little less. One of the things that the article mentioned, which is interesting is that the um, some of the generic drugs are made um, with patents that have already expired. And the problem that I see is what happens if more information comes to light about a patent and they've already made the drug and dispensed it. Hmm. So, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's One of the other things is that the drug companies say, well, we've got to charge these high prices because we're the ones who are paying for the research to create the new yeah, drugs. And so right. if you go to the generics, then there won't be enough money for more drugs to be discovered or, or, or to be implemented. And I'm not sure if I buy that entirely myself, but, um, you know, it, it as, as somebody who ha has used prescription drugs, uh, you know, there's a really big difference between getting the, you know, the, the name brand and the, what they're calling the biosimilars. The um, biosimilar. You know, yeah. Right, the, the cost yeah. is, is, and especially if the government is going to move to pick up more of the cost of prescription drugs, they're going to be interested in keeping the cost low, aren't they? I would, I would think so. Um, the other thing is that it, apparently it's going to cost over 140 million dollars, I believe, a year, or or maybe yeah, more. But, yeah, I, yeah. But the other argument that is that was mentioned was that the you know, it, it shouldn't be the government shouldn't be dictating policy. It's the doctors. So if your if your doctor says that there's a generic drug, if they believe that is one that is good and cheaper, then because I've had situations where my doctor said, "Well, your plan doesn't cover it, yeah. so you're going to have to pay full price." And it's like, you know, okay, well, what am I going to do, right? What's your other choice exactly? Yeah, yeah that yeah. 
And then doctors have to know whether the biosimilars are similar enough. Like, are they really yes. like the, That's, you know, how, how close is it? Yeah, I think yeah. so. It's oh, going to be interesting how this, apparently the advocates are saying that the government does have enough information now to make a decision um, about whether to approve them. So we'll just have to wait and see whether they actually do get approved. Yeah. That's important to know. Let's let's find out. <laughs> this is why we vote. Yeah, that's so, right. What else do you have for us, Billy? Another one. Jamaica bans broadcasts deemed to glorify drugs, crime, and guns. So the, the uh, main broadcaster in Jamaica has decided that any kind of videos, anything, anything you see on TV, any music videos, any music that glorifies crime, guns, um, and that sort of thing will should be banned and will be. Artists are saying, and in in, is that the communities that are hard hit, that are hardest hit by crime, will be cut out of the conversation. And but from what Jamaica apparently has had one of the highest murder, murder rate, um, you know, this year. So it's really you wonder how much this is going to, you know, how much is this going to work? How it's going to be affected? Or, yeah. or is that going to work? Well, do they actually believe that by banning, uh, you know, language or music that yeah. it's going to have an effect on, on the right. crime rate? Good luck yeah, they with do. that. Yeah, they do. It's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. never been shown to to have an effect. It, you know, free speech is really important, and banning things usually makes them go the other way. You no know, underground. Gonna, yeah, it it is. I'd say something of concern in the the sense of like what it, Jamaican music. When I'm talking uh, dance hall. Um, mm -hmm. reggae, it, music that I listen to a lot of, right? Even some hip-hop artists. Uh, the kinds of majority of the topics being discussed, let's say, uh, is drugs and violence, right? Mm -hmm. Violence being a really, really big one. So I am curious. I mean, I, I can um, understand where this is coming from in terms of let's shift what's being spoken about in music because the thing is but the the, the conversation like the the question of, from the artist which is okay then what do we do about all this context all this content that people can relate to and they're coming from firsthand and that's what they're talking about in their music what happens to all of that as you're saying danielle right freedom of expression um but i am curious about what other things can be done about something like that though if well, the music know, is so yeah they, what, basically saying, what, what they were saying is that they should address the root of crime rather than just trying to stomp it out address why you know and we've talked about that in this country too i mean in this province For in sure. this city i mean it, it, mm -hmm. there's there's nothing new um, people are getting the other point that the article made was that people are getting that information anyway. They're, they, you know, they're getting it in other ways or getting it off. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the part that's concerning for me is, or the part that I'm focusing on is what now Jamaica, Jamaican music, Jamaican, uh, you know, the country itself, what it's becoming known for, which is the criminality and the violence, right? Like when, 
you hear about uh, visiting, let's say, as a tourist to Jamaica, there's a lot of the question of, well, where are you staying? Is it safe? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, what's going on with the, the the violence and the murders and all of these things, which is very real, right? Like that is what's happening in some of these countries. But is it the music that's... Uh, that's causing, causing it? Yes, no. that's causing no, I think all this? They, it, the music may well be reflecting a yes. problem, but it certainly isn't the root cause. And, I, and right. poverty is the root cause. I mean, that's not exactly a mystery that countries mm-hmm. that live in poverty have a higher crime rate. No big surprise there. But banning music is just, as, as Billy said, makes yes. you go underground. Billy, we just have a moment left for your last one. Can you tell us about Netflix? Well, five ninety nine starting in November, you get a tier. Mm. Um, there's a catch, of course, which is that you get to four to five minutes in, 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 in during your show, and not all Netflix content is going to be available on, on that tier. But hey, for five ninety nine, I mean, I might even be tempted to do that for that price. Again, depending yeah. on what is you know what's on the what's included. Yeah, if you can get all the other stuff that you get in Netflix and you just have to sit through a couple Deal of commercials, that. which is, then you know when to go to the bathroom. It's all good. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. Is this out yeah. now? Because I'm signing up. Because this is like $10 less than what we're paying for Netflix it's at the half, moment. It's half. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's you're really paying For some people, more than half. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's, it's excellent. Well, Thank you so much, Billy. I always love talking to you and, and finding out what you're going to bring on for us. And we'll talk to you soon. We'll do it again tomorrow, I guess. Eh? Absolutely. Thanks, Billy. All right. Well, Billy will be back tomorrow and um, bring us more things, maybe more Friday geared things. We tend to to go lighter on Fridays, but always thought-provoking regardless. After the break, we're checking in with Debbie Williams. She has our accessible gaming segment of the month. We're discussing Uno on Kelly and Company. Okay, I did the math, and I know, I know that when you tune in for the first repeat of Kelly and Company in eight hours, it will be at 10 p.m. Eastern time. You may have noticed that in the past couple of weeks, I've told you that it's an eight-hour rotation, but didn't specify exactly when you could catch Kelly and Company. But now you know. It's at 10 p.m. Eastern time, okay? The first repeat of Kelly and Company, and all of AMI-audio is on an eight-hour rotation, so uh, we have three, three total airings of Kelly and Company if you happen to miss this one. Ramia Amudin here with Danielle McLaughlin and we're getting into accessible gaming. It's the second Thursday of the month so we'll check in with Debbie Williams and she's bringing us some real uh, fun conversation today. Something I'm familiar with. Hopefully some of our listeners are familiar with as well. Debbie, welcome back. Hi, how are you guys doing? Doing well and I'm Glad that we're talking about Uno because this is kind of a childhood, you know, throw it in there for all kinds of um, group gaming sessions experience for me. Have you always been playing Uno? 
Yes, I have. Um, it's one of my favorites. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that because we've heard some thumbs down, some I have no idea. We'll see <laughs> feedback. So I'm glad that some of us are still in it. So what is UNO for people who might be unfamiliar? So UNO is a really fun, simple multiplayer card game. Um, the kit includes 112 playing cards and instructions. So you get, and the cards are in four different color suits. So there's red, yellow, green, and blue. So you'll have two draw two cards of each color. You'll get two reverse cards of each color to skip a turn card in each color two zero to nine cards of each color and then you get four wild cards and four wild draw four cards and then um some of the games the one that i have doesn't have this but some of them has four blank cards Mm -hmm. so that's what you get that's what you get in your your kit when you buy the uno cards the ones that i have actually have braille on them and the um, cards themselves have an outline around the, the the words or the numbers. I've played Uno with, with my nephews, my great nephews, and they were using a regular card uh, deck. And it was really hard to see. Like the yellow was really, really difficult for me to see. The accessible, um, the Braille cards, the yellow has like a black outline so it's a little bit easier for those of us yeah so for those of us who have some vision it's a little bit easier to see the the yellow because of the outline and again we have the 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 braille on on um on this deck so um the object of the game is the first player to go out on a round will collect the scores of so if you're playing six players for example and you go out anything that's remaining in other players hands will add up to your score so the first player to get to 500 wins the game okay we've never played it that way there's always a bit of invention of rules um in my with every game (laughs) (laughs) yeah So when Debbie comes down and lays down the law, I'm like, oh, we've definitely not done it that way. Uh, I'm curious to hear about some of the rules around the the pick up to the draw two, draw four as well. I'm pretty sure we've invented um, some things around that too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to I've suit whoever's winning. Too. Exactly. I've noticed that too, that there's different ways to play the, um, where I got my information was, what is, was it called? UnoBoardGames.com, I think, was the website. Okay. Um, and it sort of gives a pretty good breakdown on all the special cards. So, for example, your draw two cards. So if a player plays a draw two card, the next player has to pick up two, and they forfeit their turn. That rule I didn't, I didn't know existed. And, again, it's, it's like if you play Crazy 8. I don't know if you guys ever played Crazy mm-hmm. 8. Um, we used to play with the five of diamonds as the pick up five card and everybody that I play with now uses the queen of spades. Yeah. It's queen of spades. Right. So yeah, but I've always played it with the five of diamonds. I don't know if that was a different. (laughs) Every family has their own. (laughs) 
own rule, right, Debbie? <laughs> That's exactly, why we have families. Danielle, see? <laughs> exactly. Um, so, Debbie, how do you set up for this game? Can Can you just sort of give us a brief description on on the setup for the game? Sure. So each player um, picks a card, and the highest card starts first. So the highest card value, if you pick a nine or whatever, um, you'll be the dealer. So each player is dealt seven cards, and then the remaining cards are placed face down to create the draw pile, and then the dealer will turn up the first card to create the discard pile and then play continues from that um what i've been finding with the braille you know because the kit comes with like the deck comes with 112 cards is they kind of slide down so if you have a stack of cards they slide down so what you can do to make this even more accessible is have two little trays um that you could put the cards in so you could put your draw card in your draw pile in one tray and you can put your discard pile in one tray. Because I find when we play Uno, the cards kind of slide around and you're chasing these cards, especially with the Braille. Yeah, and the the fact that it's just way more cards than a regular deck. Yeah, a regular deck has 52. This one has 112. Yeah. yeah. And then okay. players... Um, so then the play continues. So you'll put down a card. So for example, if the first card that's turned up is a, a yellow five, then the next player has to either play a yellow card of any number, or they can play a blue five and switches up the color. And then play continues that way. So the next, if somebody puts in a yellow seven, then the next player can either play a red seven or a yellow card. And then we come into the special cards. So again, that was um, one of them was the draw two, as they explained. The next player has to pick up two and they forfeit their turn. Um, The other specialty card is a reverse card. So if the play is going to the left, so if everybody's playing to the left and somebody plays the reverse card, it switches to the right. Mm. This gets really fun because after a while, you're like, which way will we going? Or two reverse card played one after another, right? Oh yeah, that's been done. Why was someone exactly? Like, oh, let's play Uno pinball. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Sorry, is the braille on? Is is the braille on both sides of the card, or or just one side? It's on one side, but it's on both corners. Uh, so okay. if you're holding the, the cards, the braille will be on the top left. Okay. Um, of the card, yeah. That'd be fun, though, um, eh? if it was on both sides and you could uh, yeah. feel around <laughs> other people's <Yeah>. hands. <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. No. No, I think no, we call that cheating, not. Romeo. Cheating, yeah. <laughs> Somebody went it. to the washroom. Let me just quickly check what they have. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, now, 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 now we've got the advantage because a lot of sighted people can't read Braille, so there you have it. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I would definitely be amongst those. <laughs> <laughs> Any um, other special cards? A lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, and so another special card is a skip card. So skip your turn is if you play that card, then it's obvious the person skips their turn and it goes to the next person. Um, and these cards 
must be played on their corresponding colors. So for example, if yellow is up, somebody's got a, if, if the up card is a yellow nine, you can't put a blue skip your turn. It has to correspond with the color. Um, and then the wild card, so a wild card can be played on any color. Um, and what that means is they can change the color, kind of like the eight on crazy eight. So right. you have a wild card and you want to change the color, then you could put that down. Um, there is a caveat to that. If you're playing the wild card, the wild draw four, you can only play that if you don't have a playable card. So what? if you, yeah, if you Rubbish. don't have any blues. <laughs> And you can be challenged. So if you play the wild card, the draw four wild card, and you're playing it, and you actually have a blue, somebody can challenge you. They can say, oh, I don't believe you. You have to show them their card. My gosh. If you were, exactly. If and if you they were, were wrong, they draw eight. You, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If, if, if you're guilty, you draw four. If they're wrong, if they challenged you and they're wrong, they have to draw four plus two extra. Oh, excellent! Fine. So you better make sure that when you're when you're um, when you're challenging someone that you're pretty sure you're challenging them because you can't yeah, be stuck with the run out of card. blue. Exactly. Exactly. Um, the blank cards are used. There's four of them, one of each color. The blank cards are used if, for some reason, one of your cards is damaged or lost in your deck. So if you lost the red three, then you could take the red blank card and put three. You can also put rules on those cards. So you can hmm. say if anybody has that wild card and they play it, everybody has to pick up two. So you can use your imagination. Have a little no bit of fun with that one. Yeah, yeah, that one's kind of fun. I kind of like that one. And that's um, not cheating, so right? <laughs> no, no, and you you determine the rule at the beginning of the game, so you can't go halfway oh, through the okay. game. Oh, I thought. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah, you'd never know what the rules are, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we just make them up as we go along mm -hmm. here, Debbie. <laughs> exactly. And, and oh, speaking of rules, happy. though, you got to call Uno. So tell us about that. Yes. So when you get down to your last card you have to call Uno. If you were caught not calling Uno, you have to pick up four cards. So oh, we always played it where you have bit. to match the person, like match the number of cards that the person who called Uno on you has. Oh! That's the way we played it. I'm within family rule was if I had 10 cards and you didn't call Uno and I called Uno on you, you got to pick up so you have 10 cards. <laughs> oh, I like that rule. See, you Mm -hmm. There Evil. you go, talking about the variants. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, this is why we have families, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or um, you don't, in the case if you have very competitive people. Yeah. Like... <laughs> no, you don't want to play Monopoly with us, though. It's really bad. Okay, here's the thing. There's this question, discrepancy of if I play a draw two card, and Debbie, you're next and you play a draw two guard, and then Danielle, you're next. Does this mean Danielle picks up four cards or two cards? Does it accumulate or no? Four. It does. Four. Oh, it does. It okay. accumulates. Yeah. 
Okay. It accumulates. Now you can set, again, it doesn't, I don't think that's set in stone. Um, when we were playing Crazy Eights with um, David's um, great nephews, we en ended up having to play with two decks because there was a high number of us playing. And what was happening was people were putting twos on top of twos on top of twos, and we had to keep <laughs> reusing the deck, and then more twos right. were coming. So we set a rule at the beginning of the game that the maximum pickup to accumulation would be eight. Otherwise, the game would never end because you'd just be plopping pick up twos. Because if you're picking up 16 yep. cards, chances are you're going to have a two, two in, there. in there. Right. Oh, man. So, it's even better when you add the accumulation on with the pick up fours. So sometimes you'd be oh, picking gosh. up like 28 cards. Good thing there are a lot of cards in this game, right? No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So you can, you can definitely set at the beginning. Um, of the game and it's always a good idea when you're playing a game to just go over the rules really quickly and if there are any rules that the group wants to agree on for example the, the pick up twos accumulation you could say to everybody all right just to make this more fair and otherwise we'll be playing the same game all night is you know we'll set a rule that we only accumulate up to like eight or six or ten whatever that you want makes it a little bit more fun and it makes it more fun when you do it at the beginning so you're not sitting there spending 10 minutes arguing mm -hmm. um, because that I will happen yes it will one rule no arguments during uno debbie we gotta let you go thank you so much for breaking down uno for us you're welcome you ladies have a wonderful afternoon thank, thank you. you you too debbie williams joining us for accessible gaming on the second thursday of the month after the break stick around don't go anywhere we have the round table on kelly and company Isn't it convenient that we have a round table? Well, it's actually oval. Just say it. The blind guy feels it now, goes, well, I don't know. I guess it is oval. Kind of oval. Welcome to the round table. This is a weekly conversation that we have on Thursdays where the host picks some great topics, fabulous, absolutely extraordinary topics for discussion around the table with myself who's the host today and danielle mclaughlin who's co-hosting with me and our special guest huli mclaughlin who joins us now huli is the former um chief science officer with the ontario science center he's also the partner of danielle mclaughlin so it's nice to have the mclaughlins on for a round table i know we said no arguments during uno but i can't promise anything <laughs> during the round table it's true you never know <laughs> I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Uh, what kind of topics? Will that determine the argumentation level? It could, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all sports. No, I'm just kidding. All oh, right. my God. Please. I know crickets, right? <laughs> crickets. Yeah. First time in history. Crickets during the round table. Well, let's start here. Um, this is a, a popular topic for people. In, it's the housing market. Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation's deputy chief economist is predicting housing prices will drop 15% between this year's first quarter peak and the second quarter of 2023. And Patrick Perrier says the fall will do little for affordability because it'll be coupled with interest rate increase 
increases and cause larger pressure in the rental market. Current renters that were planning to purchase a house that won't be able to do it, so they'll stay in the rental market. And unfortunately, we might see others that are currently owners that might, because of deterioration in their employment income conditions, might have to uh, to sell and go on the uh, the rental market. So concerning, uh, not concerning, it all depends, right? A lot of this conversation is subjective if we're looking at it in a very, you know, how does this affect you type of way. Uh, Perry says the rental market pressure will come as the country enters a modest recession by the end of this year, but the downturn will not be as severe as the last um, as the last. And a recovery will begin in the second half of 2023. So, I mean, for me, these kind of updates uh, are all over my radar because I'm living in this kind of limbo of buy or rent, rent or buy. And I've moved around a lot in the last 10 years renting. And that feels atrocious because the rental market is crazy. And then uh, when you're thinking of buying, you're like, well, is this even a possibility? So for people who are in similar circumstances to myself in the stage of life where you're considering buying and then feeling really let down by the actual possibility of buying it is um top of mind but danielle and huli i believe you guys own so does this fall in your radar at all danielle well it really does uh because we have many family members who are in the same situation you are in uh, ramia and basically you know where can you even afford to rent these days mm-hmm. the the rents have just skyrocketed particularly in inner city areas um one of our granddaughters has moved way out of the city in order to find a place that she can afford to rent uh which is you know hard on the family not having her close by but you know we you what can you do you know when you know you can't afford to rent you and buying in, in the inner city area is is ferocious unless you, you know, can find a, a large chicken coop or something like that. It's just, it's it's really troubling. Yeah, it absolutely mm-hmm. is. And Huli just wanted to say before you comment as well that that's part of the, the more sad thing for me is that we've moved so far away from family uh, or have to consider that, right? When I realistically consider buying, it's always way out of the way, um, not at all, you know, close to my family. And then considering transportation, considering uh, disability and accommodation and just thinking, okay, if I can't live in Toronto, where else can I possibly live? Huli, go ahead. No, I just got to concur. I, 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 we have family members who, some of whom are staying in the city, but they've had to develop uh, strategies for it, and that includes living with more, living with groups of people in, in houses, for example. And, it, and it, sometimes that's okay because people have been in the house for a number of years, and the rents are, are, uh, are not uh, going up significantly because they're, they have a, a certain rules that, that govern that. But uh, I I don't know I I I, I, th- I think we always say it, it can't we can't sustain this constant uh, increase in costs. But Toronto is such a uh, such a goal for so many people. We don't realize how many people would like to live in this city. It's a wonderful city, and I think that's part of the issue. Mm-hmm. It's true, and a lot of these memes across social media 
uh, say, just to cover a different angle, they, they talk about, well, the only way you can afford to live in Toronto is if dot, 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 your parents help you. And that yeah. that aspect of it, even, you know, aside from ha ha is, well, really, is that even an option for many of us right we're talking first gen canadians and exactly and and immigrants uh and minimum wage and barely enough affordability for lifestyle let alone being able to own um but it's nonetheless still something that a lot of people strive for right like they they want to be able to own it's always a you know a kind of a um stepping stones toward that and so it's a hard conversation to have i think around this time so all these numbers and stats and everything aside you know realistically in toronto are we even able to talk about this for real can i just add one thing we 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 don't know enough i think those of us live in toronto of how people live in other parts of the world and right it is not uncommon for people to live in much different circumstances in many cities around the world no matter what the um, the cost might be people's lives aren't always that comfortable and i think sometimes i get the impression when i hear the government make these comments and we hear politicians talking they seem to be talking to people with an awful lot of money i don't like that feeling i get from them but they're not paying enough attention to the fact that there's plenty of people as you just said don't have parents that can afford to help them. It's just mm-hmm. not the case. It's not the case. And and true. You know, why uh should we should we, not why should we, but should we even be aiming to uh own a house or in parentheses be house poor just because we want it to be. Yeah. I mean there are many cities where people don't even think about owning property. It's you know, you 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 find a place that you can afford to live and that's where you live. And, and that's you know, it, yeah. if it's rental or if you're staying with family members where you have multi-generational families living in, in one, uh, you know, uh, yeah. home, then that's the way you live. And, 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 you know, there's nothing wrong with any of that. It's, it's fine. And as long as people are, you know, managing to, to, you know, you have a, a decent life, that's fine too. But, uh, you know, this aspirational thing that you have to own, I think mm. is something that, that, you know, in another few generations that may disappear altogether. That, that's my yeah, guess yeah. anyway. Well, the you yeah. have to own and for you to own, you have to move so far away. It, mm-hmm. it speaks to then the, how can we support our, uh, aging parents? How can we right. all be in the same vicinity? Especially for me, if I don't drive, how do I check in on my parents? Um, et cetera, like people who have similar circumstances, if just because I need to own a home, I have to move so far away from them. Right. Very important. Yeah. 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 Well, let's move to another topic then. Uh, Millions of U.S. Social Security recipients will experience a historic increase in their cost of living adjustment. Retired Americans receiving Social Security benefits will see an 8.7% increase in their monthly checks in 2023. According to the Social Security Administration, that translates into about $140 extra a month for the average recipient starting in January. That is the largest cost of living increase in the program in four decades. It comes at a time when inflation is eating into Americans' pockets. But the Social Security Administration's acting commissioner says the cost of living increase and an expected 3% drop in Medicare Part B premiums should, quote, give seniors more peace of mind and breathing room. Faith Abube, ABC News, Washington. 
I think that more peace of mind and breathing room, it might be a bit short-lived because there's always the question of, well, how about this community? Well, how about that community? And what about this sector of people? Are we all getting a piece of that pie? And that brings me down to the question um, that we've been kind of conversing about on different uh, segments and during different conversations, which is how far can the money stretch? How much money is there to stretch at all? So we're talking about uh, people in retirement, social assistance of any kind, disability support, health care. There are all these different places that we're saying we need more money in and we need the money to go further than it is going right now. So, Danielle, any thoughts on that part of it? Well, first of all, that's American, um, yes. and uh, and it's an election year there. Uh, so you know, they, it's it's funny how money can show up on an election year all of a mm. sudden. Um, so yeah, I highest I, in four decades though. Do you think that's yeah, still significant? Well, I don't know. Um, I think that that you know things things are on a kind of pendulum swing, right? And sometimes they, you know, it's given and sometimes it's taken away. Now, if, you know, is it a 40 year pendulum swing? I'm not sure. But if you, if you look at, you know, the, the economy in the United States here too, but more there, it's been all over the place. Um, So, you know, it's clear that people living on pensions are having a very rough time, but as you pointed out, so are so many other people and there are many, many people who don't have pensions at all. So, mm-hmm. you know, Social Security um, is great if if you have it. But, um, you know, if you look, for example, in, in Ontario at the ODSP, um, which is half God. the poverty uh, line, and it's 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 horrifying. You think, well, you know, if, if things are getting better, they it's they certainly aren't getting better for everybody. And then, you know, unless we look at the picture as a whole, we're going to be really uh, forcing many of our community members to suffer greatly. So, you know, I'm, I'm pleased to hear that somebody's benefiting, but I'm, as you say, I'm quite concerned that many others are not. Yeah. And this is kind of the perspective and question of like equity or equality, right? When we look at numbers and dollar amounts, I think, Huli, uh, it's easy to do that comparison. I immediately thought of Ontario Disability Support and having been on that for several years, know the kind of heartache um, you have trying to live on that and create a lifestyle. So anyway, do we do we need to consider who needs it more, who needs it the most? Or is it just you're making people upset because one person gets it and another doesn't. I, I, I think I have to uh, add, add to uh, uh, Danielle's points uh, that really we're talking about something which um, maybe uh, there's, there's some political points made. Uh, but frankly, I think they're made again for people who want to feel good about the fact that they're helping some people people who are in actual great need uh, are not going to be very much pleased by something like an eight point whatever percent increase, mm-hmm. 8.7% percent, whatever it is on very little money is ridiculous. And uh, it's, I would be pushing for a different formula altogether. I do think we've got to be talking about guaranteed uh, incomes for people. And I think we have to be talking about living uh, living incomes, and uh, the OESP is a prime example of what I think is a travesty in, in our society. 
it's, it's just, it has to stop. So to talk about this in terms of um, of what we need to do, because it's politically wise to do so, it makes me less ha- less than happy. Back to the forty year. Uh, Thing it was forty years ago when there was a pretty steep recession uh, right across the world, but certainly in North America, uh, we may very well be on a forty-year cycle. It and uh, it, when that happened last time, interest rates soared, and there were a lot of people who weren't doing very well. Now, uh, surely there are ways of handling that. Uh, we've learned something from the past, I would think, but um, I'm not a, I'm not an, uh, an economist, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, just a tiny thing to add to this from my perspective is, you know, it, from year to year, like we have so much going on uh, and every year we know that life gets a little bit harder, at least these days, right? Like life gets a little bit harder, a little more expensive, uh, inflation hits a little bit more and then we're experiencing that and that's not this, you know, now and 40 years ago, that's every year, every few months, even, um, we can tell that these changes are happening and it's affecting, um, you know, how much we make and how much money can go into our life. But then it's almost as if these, uh, quote, solutions don't keep up with that, right? It's definitely oh, they once in a way while, behind. way behind. Yeah. Way behind. Way behind, and that and that's that's really rough. I mean, the the kind of inflationary prices that we've seen in the grocery store in the last three months is is shocking. I mean, you know, there are some items that people buy regularly that have doubled in price, and even if you know people get a few points more in in social assistance, it's not going to cover that lag. Um, you know, people have to eat every day. Exactly. They can't wait. And, and and you're quite right. I mean, this is, it's just not, it's not good enough. It just isn't. And then there's the flip side where, you know, things like the pandemic happen and the government is potentially dishing out money, right? Like CERB and CRB and all these short-term business loans and all these things uh, to, to help out. But then there's also the repercussion of that, you know, where now what happens to the other side of that where did that mm-hmm. money come from and where do we put back how and when do we put back into it because we've needed that assistance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and why should it be the poorest people who have to pay the largest percentage i don't yeah don't, I don't yeah it's really um really uh something to think about uh, really quickly, I don't even know if we'll have enough time to talk about this, but the new Apple TV Plus drama series, Sean Drum, uh, out Friday, stars Charlene Handum as an escaped Australian convict looking for a fresh start in 1980s Bombay. And the series is based on a popular book and show executive uh, Steve Lightfoot tells ABC Audio that for him, the story is mostly about redemption. I think all of us at the end of the day, want to, um, you know, look in the, mir- in the mirror and like the person we see. And I think, you know, Lynn, the lead character, is on a very heightened version of that. You know, he's done some pretty bad stuff that he's trying to uh, atone for and, and, you know, try and somehow come to terms with for himself. And I feel like, you know, that's something we can all identify with on our own smaller scale. 
I think that is a pretty uh, optimistic approach to why we may be watching this, you know. And sometimes I think, yeah, and that's true. Maybe I can relate to this escaped convict and what he wants to redeem himself. But is that true, though, Huli? Like, do we watch these kinds of things and think, I can relate to this man, no, this criminal, this absolutely woman? Not. No, no, no. I can't stand redemption stories. Here's where I might get into a bit of an argument. I can't stand, I can't stand these redemption people. They make me quite ill. I'd rather find a nice revenge story or something of that nature. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think any of us want to be this goody-goody. Work. I feel sorry. I feel so badly. I'm going to give, I hate the term give back. I'm going to give back. Nonsense. He just wants to be a better person, Uli. How about you and Daniel? No, I don't. I don't want to be nah. <laughs> no, I'm not big on, on the redemption stories. I, I, like, I like things that have a, you know, a good twist, uh, you know, a, a, a nice cozy murder, as they <laughs> like to say. <laughs> you know, or a revenge murder is even better, too. Especially. Even better. Yeah, even those are better. good, you know. But um, I, I have to say that right now, uh, Uli and I are watching Dairy Girls, and I don't know if it's on Netflix. Netflix, if, oh, yes. if it's something you've seen, but oh gosh, that's funny, and uh, you know it's it's so ridiculous that and believe me, there's no redemption in it of any kind. <laughs> well, I take it back. No, I'm fact, so the, glad. The none of it thinks they're hope, hope, hopeless. They're, they're, they're all they're, they're all they're all lost souls. They're all lost. Yeah, it's hopeless. <laughs> well, when they look in the mirror at nighttime, they'll know that you won't be on their side, guys. Thank there you, you so much. <laughs> thank you, Ramya. <laughs> thank you. Willie McLaughlin is the former uh, chief science officer at the Ontario Science Centre, joining us on our roundtable, taking a break and coming back to wrap up the show here on Kelly and Company. are always a fun time because of the round table you know the kinds of conversations we get into of course i pick the topics and kelly when he's here picks the topics but you never know where the the uh the discussions will go and so when they do go there you're like this is the best so shout out to huli mclaughlin and danielle mclaughlin for joining us on the round table and that's not all we've had lots of great fun conversations throughout the show today. Danielle, do you want to pick one that people can check out on their favorite podcast platform? Well, I just thought it was a wonderful day altogether. It was a lot of fun. But as Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I I am a hobby gardener and speaking with Susan Kearney is always such a pleasure for me. And I did not know that you could grow ground cherries in Canada. And uh, she has inspired me to go out in the spring and see if I can buy a plant because I know I can't grow it from seed. I'll never be as good as Susan Kearney, but um, I am going to give it a try and I'm going to see if I can put it up on my roof. And I just, I'm so happy about all that. That was really fun. So thanks again to Susan. And I recommend anybody who wants a challenge as a gardener to listen to Susan and to try a new plant every year, the way she does. She's terrific. I love that too. Do you do a lot of roof gardening? Well, we have a a flat roof that we're, we've put some pots out there. We don't actually have any railings, so we certainly, it's it's totally not okay, but um, Uh we do have some pots and we put a few tomatoes and some peas and things on it because that's where we get the most sunshine. 
But oh, that's I'm definitely going to try that. Oh, it's I what love a great it. idea she has. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kim Kilpatrick joined us for our community report. Won't get into it because we want to get on now with Dave Brown's show tomorrow. But uh, it was lovely hearing from her and all the things she highlighted, including Braille advocacy and public library updates in Ottawa. Now let's bring on Paul Daniel, one of the producers on Now with Dave Brown, to give us a bit of a preview of the Friday show. Hey, Paul. Hey, Ravi. On tomorrow's show, the news panel assembles to discuss the continuing follow of the Hockey Canada scandal. They'll also reflect on the work ahead, uh, days ahead for Alberta's new premier, Danielle Smith. And Greg Davis from our marketing department will take a closer look at the importance of local TV and film productions in building a robust industry across the country. Super important. And also the the Hockey Canada scandal is still going on. They haven't switched over yeah. the names yet. Canada Hockey. Hockey in Canada. Better Canada, Hockey Canada. How's that? Newton Food Hockey, hockey Canada. <laughs> That's right. Hockey Canada Less dirty, ho- less dirty yes. Hockey Canada. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, <laughs> uh, hearing tones of our uh, Prime Minister talk about that was just absolutely interesting. Thank you so much, Paul. Have a good show tomorrow. Take care. Paul Daniel, one of the producers on Now with Dave Brown. You can catch the show 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Danielle, you'll be back tomorrow as well. We're uh, gate, opening the gateway to our weekend with the listeners of Kelly and Company. So I'm looking forward to chatting with you then. And so am I, Ramya. Thanks so much and have a good evening. You too. Danielle McLaughlin uh, co-hosting with me today and tomorrow. Hope Kelly's enjoying his day off. So... That's really fun. He's a long, 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 long weekend. On tomorrow's show, we have Grant Hardy joining us for the lifestyle headlines that we usually have on Fridays. We're also talking app update with John Beeler and Apple's showing some love to Windows. There's some collaboration going on with music TV and cloud photo integration. So John Beeler is going to keep us posted on what exactly is going on there. Vancouver's providing new accessible voting options during the October 15th civic election and Sylvie Fiquette is going to bring us up to speed on those innovations because she's saying there's a lot of great technology being implemented for those accessible voting options. Bill's back with the buzz and we have the chatty bookshelf with Ryan Huey. He's got another audiobook you need to check out, he says, because it's making waves all over. Um, actually, an interesting narration choice and a popular author. So looking forward to talking that one. That's all on Friday's show. Kelly and Company, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Join us then. And until then, have a great Thursday evening. Hey guys, it's Jeff here, and I'm getting pretty anxious and excited, maybe a little nervous. I have my wedding coming up on October 21st, so just over a week away, and things are starting to become real. Um, we're having our final meetings with our vendors and uh, our one of our event coordinators at the convention center that uh, we are going to be having our wedding at. Uh, We're also prepping for rehearsals and all of that good stuff. And 
uh, written my vows. Um, you know, it, it's starting to become really, really exciting. Also, like I said, a little bit nervous, a little bit stressful because everything happens really, really quick. Um, we've been engaged for just under a year and uh, that time has flown by. But I am really, really excited to uh, get together with friends and family and enjoy a beautiful night and for those who are asking if i'm going to be emotional or potentially cry the answer to that question is undoubtedly yes uh, there is no doubt i will probably shed a couple of tears and you know what i don't care uh, it's an emotional and beautiful day so <laughs> i'm looking forward to it Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.